September 11, 2001, a day that changed the world. Do you remember where you were that day? I do. I was in Victoria, BC, working with a group of consultants from across the West on a math textbook. Because of the two-hour time difference, I was actually up at 6 a.m., BC time, and I'd just gotten off the phone with my husband, who was an early riser and would call me each morning to wake me up. So I turned the TV on as I got ready to go to the gym and walk on the treadmill. Yeah, another habit I've kind of gotten out of the habit of. Uh, but the CNN reporter was announcing that a plane had flown into one of the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center in New York. As the reporters were discussing what might have happened, equipment malfunction, pilot illness, what else could it be? The second plane hit, and it was pandemonium on the news station. I called Randy back and asked if he was watching CNN or any news on TV, and he said no. I suggested he might want to watch, and I went back to watching in horror as the scene unfolded before me. Since I was already ready for the gym, I headed down. The TV in front of the, the treadmill was set to CNN with closed captioning. So I could read most of what the reporters were saying while I was walking. I remember walking on the treadmill and thinking, good thing it's only 6.30 a.m. But then I realized it was BC time. I did the math, as I would. It was 9.30 in New York. The horror of the situation started to sink in. The towers would be full of thousands of people who had just started work. The sorrow was overwhelming and I couldn't process it. Needless to say, that day was not the most productive day of textbook editing that I've ever had. My colleagues and I got a TV brought into the room we were working in to keep up to date with events as they unfolded. At lunch, we ate in the hotel bar so we could watch TV and keep up to date. One of my colleagues had military experience, and so he had a different perspective on things. Another one of my colleagues was from Whitehorse, Yukon, where several of the planes were rerouted, and he was in communication with his family all day as they were dealing with the unexpected landings. The events were all around us. After a while, I couldn't listen to the news anymore. I couldn't deal with the barrage of information. But I was a witness to the day that changed the world as many of us in this room were. I think the disciples felt a little like that. They were witnesses to a horrific event, the death by crucifixion of Jesus, their teacher, their leader, and who they thought was the Messiah. Then on the third day, there were weird things happening. People were trying to explain them. Stories were being spread. Eyewitness accounts were being relayed to others. Our gospel story this morning seems to start in the middle of one of those stories. Verse 36 reads, while they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now what is the this that the disciples were discussing? Well, if we read the verses before our story, it tells the story of the walk to Emmaus. When two of the disciples met Jesus on the road, they didn't know him, they talked with him as they walked, and they invited him to stay for supper when they arrived in Emmaus. When Jesus broke bread, the two disciples recognized him. And they went back to Jerusalem, which was seven miles away, to tell the 11 disciples what they had witnessed. And then our morning's gospel story begins. 
when I was reading the passage in preparation for this morning, I was struck by verses 41 through 43. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. Last week when Matt talked about the story in Acts, I noticed another verse, Acts, 1, chapter, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, which in some translations reads, one day Jesus was eating with them. I had never noticed these verses before. Even though I've heard the Easter story every Easter for 50 years. But now these seem to be jumping out at me. Maybe it's because on Easter Sunday, Matt talked about the story being so hard to believe, even for us so many years later. When people talk about the resurrection, some might think Jesus came back as a spirit. But our gospel lesson this morning clearly says he was fully human. He was walking, talking, eating, being. This is the risen Lord, the fully human risen Lord, and the disciples were witnesses to it. So having witnessed this incredible event, what next? 9-11 has had huge ramifications on this world. Jesus' resurrection, also huge ramifications on the world. The resurrection changes everything for the disciples and for us. We are a resurrected people, an Easter people. The gospel story tells us Jesus' instructions to his disciples and then the stories from Acts tells the disciples carrying out those instructions. So listen to verse, verses 44 through 48 from Luke. Then he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. In Acts chapter 3, 13 through 19, Peter says, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. In this way... God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. Did you hear it? The last verse of the gospel story, you are witnesses to these things. Going to the passage from Acts, we see the disciples echoing those same words. To this, we are witnesses. But did you also notice that the story from Acts also seems to start in the middle? When Peter saw it, he addressed the people. What is the it Peter saw? Well, what he saw was the crowd that had gathered was talking and wondering about the event that had just happened. So if you go back to the beginning of Acts chapter 3, we read that Peter and John had gone to the temple. 
and met a lame man who was begging at the beautiful gate. Peter healed the man, and the crowd at the temple recognized the man who was now walking as the one who had been lame for a long time and had been begging elms at the temple gate. So the crowd was amazed. And that's what Peter's addressing, the amazement of the crowd. And the lesson from Acts begins. So looking at the gospel lesson and the lesson from Acts, we see that the disciples get instructions from Jesus and follow the instructions. To me, this is pretty big in and of itself. I mean, let's face it. The disciples don't have a very good track record in terms of doing what is asked of them. But now they have witnessed even greater things in the death and resurrection of Jesus, and they are proclaiming the good news. So we have two other readings this morning. What about them? What could they possibly have to do with those stories from Luke and Acts? Well, if we look at the context of the psalm, uh, the New Bible Commentary states that Psalm 4 is a night psalm, and the context in David's life is the hiding from his son Absalom. David and his men are camped out trying to evade Absalom and his men. And if you want to know more about that story, you can read about this in 2 Samuel, more or less starting at chapter 15 through 19. You may want to start the first chapter of 2 Samuel, though, to get the whole story of David. David wrote this psalm to calm his men and himself as they prepared to retire for the night. I'd like to read the psalm using Eugene Peterson's version in the message. So verse 1. When I call, give me answers. God, take my side. Once in a tight place, you gave me room. Now I'm in trouble again. Grace me. Hear me. David's praying to the Lord for help. In verses four, 2 through 5, you rabble. How long do I put up with your scorn? How long will you lust after lies? How long will you live crazed by illusion? Look at this. Look who got picked by God. He listens the split second I call to him. Complain if you must, but don't lash out. Keep your mouth shut and let your heart do the talking. Build your case before God and wait for his verdict. David's talking to the men who are with him who are complaining about the conditions. The various translations are interesting for verses 4, four and 5. The message says, keep your mouth shut and let your hearts do the talking. When the NRSV, which is one we read from today, says, when you are disturbed, do not sin, ponder it on your beds, and be silent. Interesting advice to his men who are concerned for their lives. They're worried about whether they're well enough hidden and possibly angry for the conditions that they find themselves in. So David continues with verses 6 through 8. Why is everyone hungry for more? More, more, they say. More, more. I have God's more than enough, more joy in an ordinary day than they get in all their shopping sprees. At day's end, I'm ready for sound sleep, for you, God, have put my life back together. David recognizes that he needs to count his many blessings, and being assured of God's grace and mercy, he can rest easy. And that's a part of the good news that Peter's telling the people in Acts, by faith in his name. His name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. And repent, therefore, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. Having been witnesses to the resurrection, we are called to put our trust and our faith in God, to repent from sinful ways, and to live as God wants us to. 
Then we have the passage from 1 John chapter 3, which starts with very familiar words. You may have thought of baptism when you heard them read this morning like I did. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We say these words during a baptism to remind all of us that as children of God, we are loved. We are so loved. God's grace is there for us when we, like David, call on God for help. Sometimes that help is not specifically what we ask for. Sometimes the help comes in different ways and may not even be recognized at the time of distress. But God loves us. Reverend Mark Trombley from Calgary said it this way, Jesus is indeed alive in our actions, in our selfless expressions of gratitude for life, in our selfless acts of compassion, in our selfless insistence of enough and fairness for all. This is what it means to be a child of God. This is how we and others experience the risen Christ today. Both the passage from Acts and the passage from 1 John remind us that as children of God, we have an obligation to try to do what is right, to repent from our sins, and turn to God. If we believe the witness account of the resurrection, we would repent. God loves us and wants us to make good decisions. God's grace is amazing, but we have an obligation as well. With every privilege comes an obligation, and that obligation is to be faithful. Last week, Matt talked about being devoted and challenged us to be devoted so we can know God's grace. Trust in God, and remember, see what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Amen.